Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. What is up? Higher Learning is on. It is I, Van Lathan. And it's me, Rachel Lynn Lindsay. I forgot my book, Rachel. Well, wait, wait. Tell them where we are. Tell them what's like. They can see. Talk about. Not everybody watches it on video. Set the scene, Van. Well, right now, I told you it's a lie. Like, I, 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 I told you, I told you it's a lie. So here comes Donnie. As we're doing the as we're doing the podcast, they lied. First of all, a lot of liars. What's up? How you doing? So were you back there? Yes, I was right here. So Donnie said, "Donnie, have a seat." Yeah. So here's the deal. Let me tell you what happened. I was already told that Donnie was going to be flying in to do the podcast. You ruined the surprise for me. And then Donnie tried to play us as if he couldn't be seen on the thing, like he couldn't figure out how to. I'm not. I'm not a dumbski. It was a. I would have believed it probably. (laughs) And you you wasted. If you hadn't told me, I probably would have burst out crying when I saw Donnie walk in. But you didn't give. You took that away from me. Donnie, we're so happy to have you here oh, in the studio, live in the flesh. The first good. you've met Donnie before, right? Never. Oh, I no. thought you did in Atlanta. Oh, so you went to Atlanta and didn't see Donnie? A couple times. Twice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, twice. Let me tell you something, Rachel. We know that you believe the surprise. Last week, you believed <laughs> that Bitcoin was mined <laughs> on the side of the Great Wall of China. Man. So, so oh, speaking of last week, we have to talk about something. There's a new celebrity beef, Donnie. Is there? Rachel and Brandy. <laughs> There's no beef. Not on my end. Let's look at what Brandy said to you and how she gathered you on 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 uh gathered on so, me. On oh, media. is that the verb we're using? Uh, yeah. She you, gathered me. So you would you so you're gonna say Brandy didn't Brandy didn't gather you? She commented on your post. She commented. She didn't gather. She, she that was a gather. I don't feel gathered. You you got because I'm a, I'm actually a big Brandy fan. Doesn't seem but like the, it. but the but the way the question was posed, it didn't just include Brandy. It was a, it was a twofer. Okay, so what I was can the, only accept half of it. Okay, so the way the question was posed is the genius in the question. Did he just call himself a, a genius? Said the question Low was key. genius. <laughs> wow. The, the way the way I worded oh, the question is not the word was today. Was the genius of the question? I said. The most significant brother sister duo in culture since. since Michael and Janet Jackson. The reality is, there's not that many brother sisters in culture. Mm-hmm. Some people said BB and CC Winans. I thought that was a good. It didn't even cross my mind. I thought that was good. It's putridly bad. Shout out to BB and CC Winans, <gasps> but it is they don't even yeah. come close. Donnie knows they don't even come close. To what Brandy and Ray J have met. Addicted love. Play that on the way out of the end of this podcast. What is addicted love? <gasps> He's about to find out. <laughs> this is that's a BB and CC Winans. You'll know it as soon aren't, as you hear it. Uh, aren't BB and CC Winans like Trump people? I bet they are. Please don't start that rumor. Not I bet, on this like, podcast. I bet, I bet don't do they that. Are. Why would you bet they are? Because because like when you start getting into oh, no, no 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 don't do that don't don't put that on them without any kind of proof don't just say don't just make those wild accusations like that I'm not I'm not making wild here's the thing though here's here's the deal though I think they said something bad about gay marriage one day or something like that I can't remember maybe they didn't maybe it wasn't there. get to the beef alleged beef. Alleged. So the alleged beef is this. You said something about Brandy. You said something about Brandy and Ray J. And Brandy replied. She said, it's the look 
for me that she gives. We started as children in this game. And? Thanks for the love, Van. Van loves this. Y'all, he loves this. this. He loves loves when a celebrity gives him a compliment. (laughs) I love when Brandy gives me a compliment. Once again. She had another comment. What was the I didn't see the other comment. She had another comment. What the other comment said? Basically, she was like, I'll wait. She uh, I'll wait for her. Something about like she's taking her time trying to figure it out. I'll wait. Why'd you disrespect her? Okay. Oh, Did not- oh, here it is. Take as much time to answer as you need. I'll wait for you. Oh, got no. to gather. That, you got gathered. Okay. It's all great. Just because somebody comments does not mean they gathered. They okay. Gathered. They because gathered. if you read the rest of the comments under your post, most people were all like me. Mm-hmm. Most people. And, and here's the thing. Brandy was a little sensitive because it was she looked at it Whoa. as a diss to her. It was not to her. I I am a huge Brandy fan. Mm-hmm. I believe when we talked about the versus battle, I think I chose Brandy over Monica. I'm a big fan. But the question posed isn't just isolated to Brandy. Right. It includes Ray J. I don't look at Ray J as being significant to the culture like that. I'm sorry. Wait, 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 I don't. wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I don't. Whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. And this I'm not alone you, in this. Let me let me this is how I know I love you to death. But this is, how, this is how I know you're a hater. Okay? Call, call me what you want. This it's my opinion. You're, you're going to say, say it again? You don't think Ray J is what? I said it once. As, I don't think, because the question was, since Michael and Janet, mind you. You don't people, think Ray J is significant to the culture? I don't think he is the, as significant as that. As like a, since Michael, to, to say that they're the brother and sister duo that's as significant as Michael and Jackson. I've never said that. See, here's the okay, thing. Okay, since, since, whatever. Since. I, I, get, I get the point. The point is, and people made this comment under your post. Uh-huh. You don't just have to fill it with a brother and sister because it's slim pickings. The reason I couldn't name one is because there aren't that many brother-sister duos. There you have it. It's not like that, but that doesn't give them the spot. As people perfectly pointed out, just leave it be- uh, blank. No, you don't have to leave it yeah. blank. The, <laughs> the, the, the answer could be see, there isn't one. No, the reality is this. You don't just get this. to put... This is the reality. Brandy starts her career... She is a phenom. She's amazing. I'm talking about amazing. I, seriously, because look, you know what I have a problem with? I'm gonna be honest with you. I have a problem with niggas. Okay. I'll be real with you. Because sometimes we like Michael and Janet had success within black people, but they had white people's success too. Yes. And sometimes I think we don't really appreciate people unless they have white people's success. So let, let me... So, no, the question me, was about the culture. So, so I wasn't even basing it on white people. I know. So what I'm saying is there's no way you can say that within the culture and really outside of the culture that Ray J isn't cultural, culturally significant. There's no way that you can say that. I guess it's like what am I... When I think of significance, I think of how they've impacted or affected the culture. Just because Ray I... Ray J hasn't affected the culture? Just because I know who he is... And he's known for whatever various reasons. Right. I guess I just don't look at him that way. Okay. So I, Ray J hasn't affected. The and culture. maybe I'm looking at it in a pos. Maybe I'm looking at significance as positive, mm. and maybe that's my problem. I may, I might be interpreting the word wrong when I think of when they how they significantly impacted the culture. Whatever they phrase the question, I guess I see positive. I don't think about that. I'm sorry. I don't think about that with Ray J. Call me a hater. So apparently, I was not the only one. You well, think? Well, I think it's a lot of people that don't want to look at what Ray J has done because as significant. At, nah, because look, so Ray J has Ray J had hits on TV. Yes, 
okay? Has Ray J had hits? I watched for the love of Ray J, sure. Has Ray J, so look, you watched for the love of Ray J. I sure did. Culturally significant show. Flavor of Love. Right. Has Ray J had, and people say you judge them in your book. I did, and I admit that though. People say you judge them. They don't have to say, I said I judge them. So people, so for the love of Ray J, you watched it. Yes. You watched it. Culturally significant. Does Ray J have hits? Well, wait a minute. Answer is yes. Okay. He's in film too. Mars, Mars Attacks. Mars Attacks. Ray J <laughs> got movies. All right. Ray J is a thriving businessman. And, and don't never forget. Never forget that it was Ray J that put the most famous family on his back. You know what I'm saying? The most famous family in the world is not that family unless they take a trip down to Cabo and come back with the most culturally significant sex tape of all time. This is facts. The most culturally significant sex tape ever. This is facts. I don't know why you would want to say that. I don't understand if we're looking at culture and this big 360 thing, I don't really understand how you could deny Ray J. I just told you how my interpretation of it. I think of it when you say culturally significant, I think of it in a positive way. And I don't see Ray J as having a positive impact on the culture. That's just me. What's positive? What's, it's negative? Well, it's not like this on the same level as Brandy. It's negative? You think Ray J has had a negative Com- a negative why do you think so many people in your comments were hesitant to name Ray J nobody had a problem with Brandy why do you think people because you act like I stand alone if it was just me I'd be like maybe it's just me why do you think so many people in your comments feel, feel the same way as I do because it's hard for niggas to love themselves give me into something <laughs> else please that's right, because it's hard for niggas to love themselves. You got nothing. You got nothing. It's hard for niggas to love themselves. They don't want to look at Ray J anything. and love Ray J. I saw Ray J. I think he's shout out wildly, to Noah. Inter- wildly entertaining. Shout out to Noah. I think Ray J is so entertaining. Me and Noah from the Ringer. Shout out to Noah and his okay. beautiful wife. Okay. Me, Noah, Kalika, Ray, oh, Noah's beautiful wife. We went to dinner, Hillstones. Mm-hmm. Noah will tell you this story. All of a sudden, this person walks by in Hillstones. Noah's like, God damn. Does Hillstones have a plural? Yeah, it's Hillstone. Is it Hillstones or Stone? <laughs> also, Noah, Noah goes, God damn. Who the fuck was that guy? Guess who it was? Who, Van? It was fucking Ray J is who it was. And if you and Noah was captivated. Ray J came over to our table, said, what's up? Noah's like, God damn, Ray J got it. Ray J's the man. It's whatever. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop trying to, like, help you guys understand like he's entertaining. He's entertaining, and he's he's succeeded at everything he's ever tried to do, and that should be enough for you. You should be supportive. <laughs> you should. Um, what'd you do this weekend, Rachel? I had a good weekend. I was chilling. Mm-hmm. I did some things around the house. Got in the pool for the first time. It was hot. Oh, hot. Oh, I heard about this. Is this why you brought this up? Wow. <laughs> I heard about this. I heard that you have a tropical oasis in your backyard. <laughs> no, I don't. And that you don't even invite people to the crib to take a dip. Okay. We And how did you hear that? I heard that because Kalika went over there. Exactly. So I do Kal- invite people. Like, whoa! <laughs> so, so what's this? You have been over to the crib a bunch of times. I, I, you know what? I, I Look, 
Jomi and Steve and the whole Midnight Boys or Juno won't hang out. But Jomi and Steve, <laughs> and they all come up to the house. I get a bunch of food. We chill. And we got like a little condo size motherfucker. Y'all, I heard you got a pool. You don't want us to come it's to It's happening. It's happening. Believe me, I'm going to do something. Had I known Donnie was in town, I might have bumped that up sooner. Chelsea We're definitely say, doing something. Yeah. Where's the invites? But I'm glad Kalika got to come over because we've been talking about it. I told her to do some circles around the neighborhood to see if there were any signs so y'all could come join the neighborhood. We'd love to have y'all in. It's a great, it's a great neighborhood. Like what? But Oh, this is my goal. This is my dream. You okay. know what I want to do? What? I want to get like a situation to where it would be like you... And your sort of black family, and then your black family, <laughs> and then your—I don't know, Trudy. You might end up with a white man too. That's what I feel. I see that in your future. Rachel met him. Rachel met him. I he did. Black. I did. I wasn't oh, gonna black. say. I wasn't gonna say. Oh until, yeah, I saw until, him. On, I saw this. The guy. But but you know what, Trudy? In all in all, in my defense, so was mine at twenty seven. Okay. <laughs> so was mine. So I, I saw this family on this thing, and they all lived on the same block. Did you see that? No. All of these people was like four black families, and they all lived on the same Wouldn't that be block. Fun, Wouldn't that be dope if we had like a cul-de-sac, and we all lived on the same block? You know what I mean? It's great. Find it. Huh? Find it. You can't. You already bought the house. You won't let nobody so, swim in your house. Anyways, Kalika came over. Did she tell you about the workout class? I was like, yeah, 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 let's go to Pilates. This is new Pilates class. Everybody's saying it. I was a little inspired by Lori, Lori Harvey video. And um, we can talk about that later. Yeah. Anyways, I show up to the class five minutes late. They won't let me in. Ooh. So Kalika was inside. My friend Katie was inside. And I was just standing outside the door. Yeah. So I went on a run through West Hollywood. You went on a run through Did West that. Hollywood. Did yeah. that. Sunday, hung out with Nina. Oh, Nina Parker. Yes, yes. We had a good girls brunch. And then that evening, I went out with my friend Dominique. Did you and Nina... Compare eyebrows. Should we have? You guys both have very striking eyebrows. Oh. It's a brow. We actually did have a, a brow conversation because she's gonna tell me who she goes to because I'm probably gonna start going to them. Why you're you're not you're not you don't like your brow person? Right I now? don't go to anybody. What do you do with do your brows? Yourself. I shape them myself. Oh for real? Mm-hmm. Oh so really? Mm-hmm. That's pretty impressive. You color I color them in, I you all that stuff. In? Yeah, 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 yeah. What is it what do you call it when the people put the string on your face? Threading. What I is, haven't found it's a good. Painful, right? I haven't. It's it's not Nigga, as bad. You get over. You got tattoos. It. Like you got red. tattoos. Their it's it's it's, it's, it's not worse than getting a tattoo. It's not worse. Mm-mm. Trudy, have you been you ever been threaded before? Absolutely. What does it feel like? Your eyes just water, but it it's like needles hair being plucked out one by one. But it's it's not that painful. And they doing like that. You do your brows good though. I would have thought you had a brow person. I, well, I had a bad experience. I got them laminated out here. If anybody's listening, do not do not get your brows laminated. Chart them off. What does that mean? Wait, wait, hold on for a second. Women. <laughs> we go through it. Man. I'm sorry. We go. Women, women go through it. We do. Remember in elementary school when you had the fucking laminator? And you okay, this is not the same things? thing, guys. That's what I'm imagining. Like, I'm on the first, like, first one around. With her eyebrows laminated. Why would you laminate your that shit? That actually has never crossed my mind. It's like, a very you... popular thing. Like I saw, I had... I saw white friends do it, but then I saw Julissa do it. So I was like, oh, this is a real, like, let me go do it. Julissa Bermudez? Yes. She'd be boxing in my mouth. And they look amazing. And so I was like, let me go get this done. I go get them done. And as soon as she puts the product on, I go, this smells like a perm. Mm -hmm. So they perm your eyebrows and they put the, The like a a saran wrap over it. And they let them cook. Well, they cooked them too long. So they get hard and then they just started 
they were charring off. They were, they, oh they were gone. They were gone. And so I let them grow out for six months and I thought it was the way I took care of them because there's mm -hmm. a detailed instruction. It happened again. So for two years, I haven't had them done. So I don't want anybody touching my eyebrows. Because you got your shit laminated. And they burned off. I'm going to be they honest cook, with you. They cooked them off. Just hearing the word would be something I wouldn't want to fuck with. You know what I'm saying? It's like, Van, what could I do? Van, you know what we're going to do with your abs, bro? We're going to laminate them bitches. <laughs> nah, I don't want to do it. Laminate? Yeah. That's something <laughs> for I an inanimate saw object. It. I saw people <laughs> do it, and I never you're a, again. You're an organism. You don't need to be laminated. <laughs> All right. Um, Wait, what'd you do this weekend? Oh, so I've had a hectic weekend. Mm -hmm. So I flew in on, we did Hip Hop Homicides Friday. We had this big taping. So it wasn't really imperative that I was here today. Like nobody made like a thing about it, but um, <laughs> I, I had to fly out uh, Saturday morning. Okay. And then, so Saturday I just chilled with Bozeman. Let me tell you something. I love dogs more than humans. There are shirts that say that. And it it took, I was never one of those people. So I haven't seen Bozeman for like a week and a half, right? Mm -hmm. Hadn't seen the dog. I get home. Bozeman, like, uh, it's so funny. I get home, I walk in the door, he looks, he goes. <laughs> and he runs and he it's cannot everything. control how happy he is to see me. Yeah. And I'm walking to the back, I'm like, boy, I gotta lay down, I gotta lay down. And so, because I'm so tired, I get off the plane, I get in the bed, and all of a sudden, he jumps in the bed. And normally I tell him to get off the bed, but he lays right down, he just looks at me like, <laughs> and then we fall asleep. We have a nap together, three-hour <laughs> nap together, me and Bozeman. Uh, so then I, um, I just hung out for the, for the rest of the day, uh, didn't do too much. And then Sunday I watched, I watched fucking Phoenix get their soul taken from Dallas, from Dallas Mavericks. Mavericks. You were happy about that. Do you care about the Mavericks in basketball? I do now. Now you care. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to the West to the, Finals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a football gal. I'm a football gal. I, I, my favorite team was Oklahoma City Thunder. I'm a big Russell Westbrook fan. Oh, I thought it might. Have been yeah, no, player. I'm a big Russell Westbrook fan. Mm. And um, anyway, so when did you become a Thunder fan? When Russell Westbrook got there. Before then, you weren't. When the team was created. Right. So. The and team, they were there. They were the Sonics, and then they became the. Thunder. No, 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 no. Not when they were Sonics. When they were the Oklahoma Thunder. Right. It's just coincidental. Yeah, it was it was a good team. You had like Collison, Durant, Westbrook, Harden. Yeah. I was into it. Yeah, you know, maybe some people you do. Okay, we're gonna take a break. On the other side of this break, we're gonna talk about something that is absolutely not fun. And because we're going to be talking about this, this is your friend Van giving you a trigger warning. There's no way to delve into the things that are going on in the world right now. And not go to some deep corners, deep dark corners, should I say, of human experience. So on the other side of this, we are going to discuss some of the things that happened in Buffalo over the weekend. Be gentle with yourselves during this conversation. All right. Uh, so, Rachel, where were, where were you when you heard about what happened in Buffalo? Were you at home or were you out doing something? I had to have been at home because I found out about it late. It was one of those things where I was like, 
am I reading this correctly? Mm. I was definitely at home because it was Saturday afternoon that I found out. But like I, we, we talked about at the top of this podcast, Kalika was over. Mm. So I'm coming off of like working out, having good girl conversation. And I saw it and I was just like, no, I don't, I, I can't, mm. I can't even look at this right now. It wasn't until later that night that I really read about what happened. So to answer your question, I was at home. Where were you? Uh, at the crib. Um, these things come in from Twitter. Twitter is the fastest place with them. And uh, just keeping up with it. I think the details on this one came out a little bit quicker than mm-hmm. they normally do. Uh, Ten people killed, three wounded. Uh, a racially motivated shooting at a Buffalo supermarket or white gunman. Killed 10 people, wounded three, Saturday afternoon, Buffalo, New York. Peyton Gendron, an 18-year-old man, shot 13 people, 11 of whom were black and two of whom were white. Uh, the word is that he officially, that he streamed this on social media. Streamed it on social media, um, on a social media platform. Um, Twitch is investigating it right now. Um, they removed his stream less than two minutes after the violence started. Now, immediately after a mass shooting happens, and they happen all the time because of the putrid culture that we have in this country, um, immediately after a mass shooting happens, two things uh, start to unfold on social media. Number one, people rush to politicize it. Mm-hmm. And I'm just mm-hmm. being forthright about that. People rush to politicize the mass shooting mm-hmm. because... The people that are dead are normally less important than whatever political jockeying can be done by the voices on Twitter and by the people uh, in Washington to push for whatever agenda that they have. That's just the way that it goes. Whether you agree with what people are saying or whether you don't agree with what what you're saying, people try to find a reason why this happened. And I think that's actually a coping mechanism. In this case... Yeah, it is. uh, In this case... Um, that didn't need to be done because Peyton Gendron left a manifesto and in that manifesto he talked about why he did this. It was written all over his gun. Uh, he cited great replacement theory and the theory, something that asserts that there's an international effort to Replace white Americans with people of color by encouraging immigration. We're going to talk about great replacement theory in a while and how that is something that's becoming more mainstream. But before we do, when you learned that this was a racist shooting, what did you think? I wasn't. When I saw 10 people killed Uh and three wounded, I wasn't surprised. I wasn't surprised at all. I think what was surprising to me was the lengths, like the great lengths that he took to get to where he was at that supermarket, the detail and how he sought out that specific market in a specific neighborhood and the manifesto behind it, which was 180 pages. And I obviously didn't read that. I think that's what was more of a, whoa, okay. But when I like thought about these kill, this kill, these killings, it was like, you can look at this situation, tragedy. I'm not going to call it a situation. It's tragedy. It's mass murder. These mass murders. And see everything that's wrong 
not everything, but a lot of things that are wrong in our country. Mm-hmm. Racism, gun control, white privilege, social media, media, mm-hmm. um, the way politics even, because of everything he was saying in his manifesto. And so I guess I'm looking at that. And at the same time, I'm looking at this and I'm like, looking at all these people saying thoughts and prayers. I'm so heartbroken. And I thought about that and I'm like, what are you exactly heartbroken about? What are you exactly sad about? What are you exactly praying about? What is it that you're asking for cuz these are issues when you when you put the issues that i just talked about that have continued to exist people have continued to bring to the forefront people have continued to talk about and the and that there needed to be some type of control over these things some type of i don't know policy bill law made around these certain diff, these certain things that have not been addressed because they've been politicized or however you want to look at it so when you're heartbroken exactly what because There has to be some type of accountability and action taken for what happened with this, because otherwise this is just going to be the beginning. Are you just saying words that you're heartbroken and you're sad and you're praying, or do you actually really want to make a difference and make some sort of change? Because I don't want to say that this necessarily, I don't know if it could have been avoided or not. If there was, let's just say there was more gun control. Let's just say there was something that was, you know, uh, directly impacting racism or discrimination. I can't say that this would not have happened, but at least you would have known that as a country, we were trying to fight and prevent these things from happening because we've seen them happen before, whether it was against black people, whether it was against the Latino community, whether it was against Asians, whether it was against Jews, whether it was against uh, people in the LGBTQ plus community. We've seen it happen before and nothing's being done. Nothing's being done. And I just, I, I don't know, like I'm, I'm, I'm at a loss of words because you can point, like I said, to this incident and see so many issues that are wrong with our country. But what are we going to do about it? Well, I mean, I think the people that are heartbroken, uh, I mean, that's, they're just sad, right? But what are you sad about? I mean, you're sad that 13 people were shot. Okay. That, but to me, those are empty, that's empty words. Why? Because you're sad, but it's happened before. But like, does it not anger? You're gonna be sad every time. But no, 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 no. But like, are you angry? Are you in? Are you outraged to where you're like, I'm not just gonna put up a post. I'm not just going to say like, right? I'm sad because that's what people are doing right now. Yeah, yeah. It's a tragedy and people lost their lives. But are you so sad and outraged about it where you're like, something has to be done? We've got to stop saying. You know, like you're in my prayers or you're my thoughts or I'm sad about it. You actually have to do something. Like, I don't want to see you post about you being sad. I want you to be so angry about the fact that this is happening to marginalized communities in our country where you're demanding that the people who have the power do something. That's what I guess I'm saying is yeah. fuck your sadness. Do I, 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 That's I, just how I, I feel. Know, I think the first thing you have to be is sad, though. No, right? Van. I'm over being sad. Right. I'm over being sad. Okay. Well, so. What are you sa- like? I think the first thing you have to be is sad. I have no idea what's happening. See? That was sad. <laughs> I, I think the first thing you have to be is sad. So, the two things about that. Number one, I think that most people, if you ask them, if I went down the block right now, the block, if I went down the street and I asked people right now, it's like, 
do you hate mass shootings in America? They'd be like, yeah, I hate them. They're very sad. That's what they would say. They're very sad. They're very unfortunate. It's an unfortunate part of American culture. But then if I asked them, what do you want to do to stop them? They wouldn't know what to do. They would not know how to stop mass shootings. They would not know what needs to be done to curb them. They would not know. It's not they don't that. know the first. So what I'm saying is when you're asking people as far as a call to arms, we're going to talk about some things that might have went into this particular mass shooting. But I right now think that most Americans, I think right now that most Americans have accepted this as a part of American culture because of the fact that they don't understand how to negotiate our way out of this. I don't even think it's just that. I think people are so desensitized and complacent by it that they're sure they're sad. Man, that's that's a shame that that happened. Mm-hmm. But we're so used to seeing it happen that you just move on. But that happened. But that. But to, so the reason why I think this is an important conversation to have. I grew up in a violent place, right? Mm-hmm. South Baton Rouge, Louisiana. To live there, there is the people that have. There are people in Baton Rouge that have very specific ideas of how to correct the violence there. Mm-hmm. When I was in Chicago. Talk to Pastor Corey Brooks. He had a very specific idea of how to correct the violence there, right? He feels like he knows what he needs to do. Everybody else is really just trying to keep themselves safe from it. So I think that the reason why I think that it's important that people have a feeling about this because to ask them to be able to 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 to, to solve the problem actually is a little unfair. I'm not asking you to solve the problem. So then what are you asking for them? I'm asking you to be so moved by your sadness or being heartbroken that you're at least trying to... Okay, you said most people are just trying to be safe and they're not, they don't have a plan of action. Sure. But you, because you're impacted by it, you have researched community leaders or people who are trying to make a difference and are trying to jump like figure out what you can do to further their cause. Right. Because you feel it so deeply and it impacts you. Right. You're not just sad. Huh. And then you're moving on with your day. Right. I want you to be so sad that you like you're e- you're almost immobilized by your sadness. For example, we were going to go to the movies that night. Mm-hmm. I was scared to go to the movies. I didn't even want like I, it just impacted me so much that it was like, gosh, you can't just do anything. It's so scary to be black or to be any type of minority these days because you don't know who's out there writing their manifesto ready to to come at you. Yeah. So it affected what I wanted to do that night. It affected my life. Right. I want people who aren't necessarily affected in the same way because they aren't a part of one of these communities to be so sad that it take it may, it moves them to do more than just feel it. Huh. I guess that's what I'm that's why when I see it it's like you're just posting it or you're, I'm not saying that you're not feeling and maybe that sounds insensitive. I'm not saying that you can't feel sadness, but I want your sadness to move you to act. Right, right. I'm not asking you to fix the world's problems. And what I'm saying right now is I think those people need I think most people and I think most people need better options as to what it is that we do. Because to be honest with you, I haven't heard anyone, like we, we can talk, 
we can talk gun control, right? Mm-hmm. We can talk about um and gun control is isn't it's one of those things that seems like an intractable an example of intractable uh American political dysfunction to where neither side is actually willing to give and neither side is willing to negotiate in good faith. So gun control doesn't seem like it's something that we're going to ever be able to agree on, right? Because if you talk to a lot of the two-way advocates that I know, they go, hey, the most important right in all of America is the right to bear arms. And never mind the fact that when that was put into the Constitution, that they never knew that people would have rocket launchers. They never knew that people would have AR-15s. They never knew that people, they were literally loading guns by assembly line. It was a motherfucker standing at the front. I shoot, you load the gun, pass it up. They thought that like they were going to be fighting in the guerrilla American revolutionary style forever. Mm-hmm. They didn't realize that these weapons that we have now are sure. so much better at killing people. But we've amended other things in the Constitution. That, that, so, so, what, so what, what I'm saying is when you get people that are relying on their fundamentals, this is a fundamental American mm-hmm. uh, American right. Mm-hmm. It's going to be hard. Mm-hmm. So what we what people actually need is, in my opinion, not to look within themselves for these answers, but to have better examples of these answers. Like, who is tackling this problem? If I was to ask people right now, who's tackling the mass shooting problem in America? Mm-hmm. Who's on it? Mm-hmm. Do you know, Donnie? No. Trudy, do you know right now? Nope. Who, who's, who's tackling, whose job is it right now? This is an American phenomenon that kills dozens, if not hundreds of Americans a year. And Mm -hmm. the rest of the country is gripped in fear. Like you couldn't even go to the movies to see whatever bad movie you were going to go see. Um, The rest of the country is gripped in fear. Who's on it? Who's taking care of it? Yeah, I can't point to a single person. So the reality is if there's no leadership on that issue from the top down, I think it's actually unfair to ask the average American to come up with some sort of answer or some up, or some up, some solution or some response when 13 people get killed in a shot, I'm not shot I'm not saying that they should have a solution but it's like we're having this conversation and you're asking a legitimate question. So it's like if we start asking are you do you just feel sad in the moment and move on or are you starting to ask questions about how we can make a difference and I and listen it's not just gun control. This issue to me isn't just gun control. Look it's at mental health. It's mental health but look at how where he was streaming it. Look at, um, is it Eli, Ellie? Who was it that you wanted to bring on the other day? Had a really good point about gamers and video games. Who? Ellie oh, Mystical. Ellie Mystical, yeah. As Ellie Mystical. He had a really, really good... Ellie Mystical? Is that what you said? His Mystical. name is Mystical. Whoa! <laughs> I'm so bad with names. Wow! And I'll follow him on Twitter. Ellie Mystical. <laughs> he should change his name to that. Ellie Mystical. He'll give you a little bit of politics and a little bit of shake your ass. Watch, Watch yourself. yourself. Ellie <laughs> Mystical. I want, hey man, we got to get Ellie give me, Mystical give me the, on the give podcast. Me his, give me his, give it's me the Mystical, name. Mystical, Ellie Mystical. I really have, all, I swear yeah. to God, I've always read it as Mystical on oh Twitter. Oh my God, no wonder. <laughs> I read it as Mystical. Anyways, and mm-hmm. I, cause I screenshot it too. Where's my phone? Yeah. Anyways, he pointed out what people aren't talking about is this whole community on gaming. He said, to be clear, I'm not saying people who play shooters are going to learn how to shoot 
how to shoot people. He's talking about games. And then he talks about the games he plays. He says, I play Destiny and I'd still be crap at Alien Invasion from the Moon. I'm not saying even people who make racist comments are going to go out and shoot up a black grocery store. I'm saying that people who want to go out and shoot black people find community in gamer communities. Their dad is watching Fox while they're while they play and stream whatever. Doesn't really matter the game. You can find toxic stuff in FF14 and FF14 is about fighting literal status. I don't know what FF14 is. Right. But his point is I think that's Final pe- Fantasy. Yeah. Okay, his point is is that people are pointing to gun control or, you know, Fox News or certain things and he's like, but there are these com- or 4chan or this dark web, but he's like you should look at the gamer communities because festering within them. He said I've never been called the n-word more times than playing games. And he's like, and I'm just playing a regular game, but people are just you spewing out this hate. It's not regulated. These, this, you're com- creating this community of gamers who are shooting and doing all these other things. And he's like, and nobody's monitoring that. Nobody's looking at that. But if you look deeper into the community, there's a problem there. This guy, Peyton, seems to, to be running in that circle. So what I'm saying is it's not just gun control. There's other things to look at, too, where these type of ideologies are festering and creating these type of monsters. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, no you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. But sorry. Um. Ellie Mystical. Ellie Mystical. All right, so um, in his manifesto, uh, Gendron pushed uh, Great Replacement Theory. Now, if you guys don't know what Great Replacement Theory is, I I talked a little bit about it. Theory asserts there is an an international effort to replace white Americans with people of color by encouraging immigration. Now, uh, Great Replacement Theory goes back a ways. Um, It actually first popped up in like the late... like the 1900s back in the day even it goes back even further than what we have in our research here uh it comes from the idea that led us to eugenics to where uh in order to establish and maintain the status quo um in the western world there had to be a pecking order right Mm -hmm. at the top of that pecking order was the nordic white person the nordic white person seen as uh, more intelligent, more competent, mm-hmm. more ready to take on the world. And a lot of the things that uh, ended up, one of the great examples of replacement theory and um, sort of it, the adherence to it was here in America uh, as Native Americans and black people were kept in a certain place with with limited movement and limited access in order to ensure that they would never replace mm-hmm. their white masters or white uh, white overlords or whatever, right? And that happens after uh, slavery is over. Actually, the thing that pushed it into this idea of eugenics and a master race that threw it into uh, the main social consciousness was obviously the Holocaust, and, I, mm-hmm. and, and after the Holocaust, people here in America that were overt about what it was that they were doing actually had to do it a little bit more in a clandestine way because the Holocaust was such a big, great, terrible evil that talk of a master race, talk of getting rid of people before they replaced you, that kind of talk was directly tied to Hitler and his regime. Um, and everyone knows when you start that kind of talk, where it could go. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people who had those thoughts in America, especially after so many Americans died in World War II, kind of kept them under wraps. But it's gone mainstream again. 
um, it's gone mainstream uh, through Fox News. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Fox News, Tucker Carlson, Laura Ingram, and you guys, I'm not making Fox News responsible for all the world's ills. But the reality is that Fox News and some of the people on there, it's a very mainstream operation. It is the number one cable news network uh, in America. And on this cable news network, they are constantly, constantly beating into the heads of white Americans that there are plans to bring in immigrants and other groups to replace them. Mm -hmm. And that that is the strategy of the left Mm -hmm. and that is what they are trying to do to depower the white Americans that live here. As a matter of fact, Tucker Carlson has talked about it. Donnie, you can play it. Legacy Americans. <laughs> the the replacement of legacy Americans with more obedient people from other countries. So that kind of dog whistling, and really that's not actually like dog whistling. That's pretty much outright flat out. saying it. Uh puts people into a situation that I think everyone who talks and explores these issues should be very, very conscious of. Okay. So you have great replacement theory. Mm-hmm. What you're essentially telling people is they're trying to take society from you. They're trying to diminish you. What that is doing is putting people in a fight or flight. Yes. And that makes people go, what the fuck? They're trying to... Imagine if someone came to your house right now, right now, the new house that you bought with the pool that you won't let nobody swim in. Imagine someone comes to your crib right now and says, hey, just to let you know, the people across the street, they're going to come take this house from you. Not that they're not, not they're going to come take this place from you and put somebody else in this home Mm -hmm. that you feel like you own, that you feel like you're entitled to. They're going to put somebody else in there. What would you be willing to do to protect the place that you live? Especially if you think someone's going to take it from you by either force or by uh, usury or trickery. Yeah. We're going to war. Right. And, if people think that this is the first example of replacement theory being cited in a mass shooting, you are wrong. You are super wrong. 2018, 2019, and 22. In October 2018, a gunman killed 11 people, injured six. Synagogue attack, Pittsburgh. Uh, Pennsylvania, the government believed that Jews were deliberately importing non-white immigrants into the United States as part of a conspiracy against the white race. New Zealand, Christchurch, I know you guys remember that, part of the manifesto, he named his manifesto The Great Replacement in reference to a book that he had read. Mm. Um, uh, then, of course, we have 2019, um, an El Paso shooting. He posted an online manifesto called The Inconvenient Truth and alluded to the Great Replacement and expressed support for the Christchurch shooter. Now in 2022, you have another one. This doctrine Mm -hmm. is not something that's politically incorrect. 
this doctrine is not something that is is uh, out of left field or inconvenient to hear. This is war talk. Yeah. This is battle talk, and this is killing folks speak. Yeah. And if you want to do something to hold people responsible for what happened in Buffalo, the people that you should hold responsible are the people who are propagating that and their sponsors and anyone that's around them. Because yeah. the reality of the situation is words have consequences and they have meaning. Mm -hmm. And people are getting their fucking heads blown off because Tucker Carlson, Laura Ingram, and a host of other people are utilizing this type of saber rattling, which is what this is, to drive viewers to their shows and to drive money into political coffers for politicians that believe this shit as well. I, I was just about to say, and politicians, you've got senators and congressmen and women who are actually saying these exact, this exact phrase as well, the great replacement theory. And I think what you did is so important because too often people will say, oh, this person went in and killed all these people. It's, it, they're crazy. It's, it's a mental illness. That's what people will say. They'll write it out. Oh, they wrote this manifesto, all these pages. Yeah. They clearly weren't, you know, something was wrong with them. No, they are literally getting from the book, from media outlets, from social media, from their politicians, whoever it may be. They're getting this rhetoric. They're taking it in. They're feeling like they're being threatened. They're feeling like they have to go to war. They're writing it out and then they're acting on it. That's not attributed. Maybe there is mental illness behind it, but you can't call this a coincidence. You can't just write it off that. You have to connect the fact that there is this theory out here. People are believing that theory and now they're acting on that theory. And if that is the case, which it seems to be, then this is not going to stop at all. Right. So who's going to protect us? Right. That's what it comes down to. Who's well, going to protect us? Well, I, I really do think that America, uh, that there needs to be a specific task force, and maybe there is somewhere, dedicated to studying preventing and examining mass shootings here because it's becoming such a big part of the culture. And as things get more fucked up, you start to ask yourself whether or not these are actually mass shootings or are these the beginning salvos in a much bigger, much bloodier conflict to come. Um, and you start to wonder whether or not these people are shooters are soldiers because remember politics is war without bloodshed what we're seeing now is our american politics get bloody and they're getting bloody pretty quickly what mm -hmm. happened at the capitol was an attack mm -hmm. and what's happening now in a lot of these people uh their attacks all right um, we are going to take a break. Come right back. Okay. Um, there is a discourse. There is a discourse. And the discourse is surrounding Kendrick Lamar's new album. There's several discourses, but one has to do with one specific song. The album is called uh, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. Mm -hmm. The song is called Auntie Diaries. Now, in this song, Kendrick Lamar is attempting... I think, to show allyship to the trans community by telling the stories of trans people that he's known in his life. Rachel, would you say that would, that's what he's trying to do? Uh, yeah, he's trying to tell a story. He's trying to tell a story. Okay. Um, 
it has not been well received in whole by the community. There's been some division as to whether or not the song is effective, as to whether or not the song is appropriate. And we want to talk to Raquel Willis about this because if we have this conversation um, and it's just Rachel and I, we will be uh, summarily canceled. We won't do it right. And we'll be, we'll fuck it up. So, so we bring our friend. Uh, we're bringing our friend Raquel Willis to join us today on Higher Learning to talk to us about the song, about what is proper allyship, and about whether or not she thinks uh, Kendrick did this right. Raquel, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm glad to be considered a friend. You are of a friend. Of course. <laughs> you are a friend. Okay. Uh, first of all, have you heard the record? I have. Um, I have heard the record a few times, maybe like three. Okay. Um, I've listened to Auntie Diaries maybe like five or six. Okay. Um, and there, I mean, there are also two records, right? So it's actually a, a double disc and you wouldn't know this necessarily on, depending on the service that you're on, but they're really two different. Yeah. Volume one, volume two. Yeah. Together. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so million dollar question. <laughs> what do you think about the song Auntie Diaries? Oh, geez. Um, so I think this is like two tiered, right? Because it's it's the song itself. But if you're analyzing the music, it's also like the whole collection together as well. So I'll start with the song. Um, you know, when I first heard it, I was listening to it with the lyrics because that's just I always want to know, like, what is the content? Like, what are they saying before I even hear it? I know other people kind of listen differently. And I was taken aback a bit by the overuse of the F slur. Yeah. Um, And I felt like the framing of his auntie, I mean, who's really his uncle, right? So, So let's get that clear, right? Like the song is called Auntie Diaries, but the first person he discusses is actually his uncle now. Um, and then the other family member as well who transitioned and he used, you know, what I, we assume to be the birth name of the person too. So, I mean, those things immediately, I think as a trans person, I was like, this is weird. And I'm thinking about my personal experience, but I'm like, if my family member was, Kendrick Lamar or a rapper or whatever. And they made this work of art about their experience grappling with my experience. I would feel some kind of way about them releasing something that uses a name I don't use anymore and refers to me as a gender that I don't actually identify with on top of the slur. And I get people's explanation that oh well this is art he's showing his evolution from being more ignorant as a kid to now but I think when people were saying like how would you feel if someone who was white right and I know he ends with this point but if if say Taylor Swift came out out with a song that was like nigga 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 oh I used to say that but I don't say it anymore I'm just saying it in this song for an effect we would all feel some kind of way. Mm. And so I think it's it shows in this reaction to it how much we accept certain things as just definite 
offense and don't accept certain things, particularly when they come from certain groups um, as offensive. Like they're just not seen as valid enough critiques for us to be like, it's off limits for you to use those slurs against the LGBTQ community. Mm. Raquel, it's interesting. I want to pick up on something that you said when you referenced Taylor Swift. Could there be an argument made that there's a difference in the type of artistry that Taylor Swift has versus Kendrick Lamar? Taylor Swift sings about sweaters and cardigans and pop things and ex-relationships and things like that. But Mm -hmm. Kendrick is a conscious rapper, I guess was what you would call it, and makes you think a lot deeper on certain subjects and also likes to take you through a journey through his music, album, whatever it may be, where sometimes songs, the end of a song can pick up and carry into the next song on the album. Could you say that that's what he was trying? Like, that you said you listened to it five or six times. Is Could you see this as possibly, like, or as you continue to listen to this, that he was telling a story? And it the use of certain pronouns in the wrong way using the F word was supposed to be jarring because he wanted to shock certain people as he was telling this story. Yeah. I mean, I hear that, but okay. So we're going to talk about different genres. Then let's stay in the same genre. If Eminem released a song that had multiple lines in it, that was saying the N word over and over again, and put that out and then said it was about his evolution from being, you know, racist or white supremacist or whatever to whatever he would be now. I still don't think that we would receive it the same way. I think that the execution is off. I think in some way it is commendable that he is talking about these experiences in this way, in this album. And I I can give that, right? Because we need to be having a lot more conversations around the experiences of Black LGBTQ plus folks in families, in our churches, et cetera. I think that that is beautiful. I personally feel like, and of course, there are other folks who feel this way, the execution is off. I think he could have done this even better without the over-reliance on the slur, Even if he just said it once, personally, I would have been like, okay, I get it. But the overuse, I don't think that it was necessary for him to get his point across. Hmm. Um, Do you think the song is a net positive or a net negative? Does the song push us forward or take us back? Interesting. I think it's important for us to think about who his audience was, right? I think it's hard to say his audience was trans people or queer people. You know, his audience is, in general, cishet folks, right? And him explaining this journey, that's a piece of it. So the net positive piece, I think it's hard to say, and we'll have to see. But I think, I just worry what this can mean for folks who will continue to gaslight trans people in particular and say, oh, well, I'm getting your name wrong. I'm getting your pronouns wrong. I'm getting your identity wrong, but I'm trying. And isn't that enough? And it, and it's almost done in a gaslighty kind of way, right? And I think I think we know how that feels as Black people because white people do it as well, right? 
You know, like I, I think that we've got to get beyond that. So I would hope that this will push us to have better conversations in hip hop, but I don't know. I could easily see the dude down the street, you know, saying, oh, I'm trying, but not actually be trying, you know? Can, can I follow that up real quick? Mm-hmm. I actually disagree with you. You know, I think my problem with white people is, is that they don't try. Is that, wow. it, like, my 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 problem with white people, like, my problem with white people isn't in the trying because the trying, the trying is always worth the conversation because the trying will be clumsy. Like if you post a black square for your Instagram and that makes you think that you're one of the black Panthers, I'm never really going to come. I'm I'm never really going to come to directly at you because like that, like that's, that's something that we can build upon. Like now, and then I can have a conversation with you and the conversation can be, okay, now let's talk about how you do it right. But mm-hmm. oftentimes my problem with white America isn't the fact that they say that they're trying, is the fact that they say that they've already done it. That they say, hey, we gave you affirmative action. Hey, we gave you this. Hey, we gave you that. Hey, that was a long time ago. Hey, none of these things are real. And because they say that, they go, okay, it's over. Figure it out. The ones that are trying or the ones that say that they are trying, we can have a conversation about how they're trying and about where they're getting it wrong. And sometimes my fear is that if Kendrick Lamar is in fact trying and doing it poorly and like doing it wrong, doing it bad, the word is jarring. It's jarring anytime I hear it now, right? So in doing it wrong, isn't there a way to approach the conversation to where if his end goal is to make sure that people understand, respect, and um, appreciate the humanity of gay and trans folk, isn't there a way to have a conversation with him about the way you do that that's that's in a way that doesn't sort of kick him in his nuts which i feel like is what some of the people some of the people have just been like yo this is all fucked up like he's attempting to change the perspective of the audience that listens to him which we said it was cis people and really to be honest with you it's also a bunch of hood niggas and a bunch of niggas that don't know how fucked up they are and he's trying to tell them you're fucked up and he's fucked up so it's coming out kind of fucked up do you see what i'm trying to say like what do you like like isn't the trying worth something i I think to an extent yes i i want to circle back because you said that the problem with white people oftentimes is that they'll say all of these things have happened and so now this is your problem you know fix whatever your issue is with you know racial discrimination etc sure Queer and trans people, I mean, first of all, I'm a Black trans woman, so I get that part from white people. And then I also get from cis people who don't want to be critiqued that the cancel train is coming. We get that, oh, well, you guys got gay marriage, so like, what is really hard for you anymore, right? We get those type of things. We don't ever get to the deeper conversation about what our actual experiences are like beyond bodies and the medical pieces of things and all of that. And my part in it, in thinking about Kendrick, it's hard for me to give him that free pass 
you know, this is a Pulitzer Prize winning man. This is one of the most gifted musicians we have. Certainly. And for him to be this clumsy on this topic and then disseminate it out to the public, it's hard for me to be like, well, at least you tried because we don't do that with any other barometer for Kendrick. Mm. Someone that we hold on such a high level. I think what would have been powerful is for us to have the conversation ahead of time. And maybe he did, right? And then this was still the result. But having the conversation about how he could best creatively talk about trans experiences, that's how you do the damage control ahead of time so that we don't then have this fallout where a lot of queer and trans people are like, well, what in the world is this, right? So I think that needs to happen. It's hard for me to not kind of see Kendrick's work alongside, for instance, a Dave Chappelle, right? But also, you know, the time and the proximity. But I think there's a way that we are seeing a lot of particularly cishet Black men who have platforms and careers trying to talk about queer and trans issues and being clumsy with it and then trying to couch it in, well, at least I tried. And it's like, you could try a lot harder on this. I think that we're expected to give free passes to them. And then, so, so then what is, what is next, right? We get shut down whenever we make a critique, right? We get told, oh, well, you guys are never going to be satisfied. You guys are always asking for too much. And I think that that is frustrating as well for a lot of queer and trans people, particularly Mm -hmm. black ones. You know, something you said about Eminem, if he said the N word, but the intent of that song was to show his journey of how he realized that was wrong. I personally wouldn't wouldn't be offended by that. If I if I could focus, I I really I I don't I really think if the intent was to explain how wrong it was, and I'm gonna tell you why. Raquel, now see when the nigga diaries comes out. When somebody makes a song called The Nigga Diaries. But the song, but the song right. is not called, called F-Word the- Diaries. That's not what the song is called. <laughs> but the reason I say that, the reason I say that is because if the intent is to show how wrong it is and bring attention to that, and you're a person who has a big platform and you're influential, then it can open up the conversation for other people who might think they can use that word or don't realize how it's wrong and they might start talking about it becoming more aware of it or maybe even acknowledging that it's wrong because they respect the person who's telling them their journey on it they might see it in a different way that's why I say I wouldn't necessarily have a problem with it but my question is Van started off with his first question saying or talking about this that Kendrick was showing allyship one do you think Kendrick is an ally and two if not what could Kendrick do from this point on to show that he is, or what would you like to see from him to build on this song if his intent was to bring awareness or to speak to an audience that might not be receptive of this uh, topic? Yeah, I mean, is he an ally? You know, I think a part of the allyship is, a, for me, a continuous demonstrated commitment to showing up for a community or for a person right um you know so so maybe there are more things he can do I think that this is one thing right we can point to 
And sure, maybe his heart is in the right space. Does he consider himself an ally, right? Or is this just a one-off thing? And it's just, it's not about the community. It's about a topic, a concept in this time. I don't know. You know, I when I think about allyship, I think we have these kind of basic ideas of what that means. Allyship to me isn't really just getting names right and getting pronouns right. Like that's the bare freaking minimum, you know? I think allyship is us having these conversations consistently, having a commitment to growing. And then, hey, if you got, you know, bank like Kendrick and you say you care about the trans community, are you donating to Black trans-led organizations? Are you showing up to support the community in a bigger way? That's what allyship looks like to me. Uh, And that's not the same for every Black trans person or queer person, you know, but I, I think that those are some things. I, I hope he continues to have, you know, more conversations. And I, you know, when I think about the intent versus impact piece, you know, there's a way that this general discourse ignores the impact that a work like this has on the community that it's discussing, right? Like you can say, oh, it's about the audience being transformed. Okay, but a community is implicated in this, right? And so then now all of these trans people, all these queer people are getting asked about, you know, all of these things that maybe they don't want to have to carry the burden of educating people, right? On stuff that they should have Googled like 10 years ago, you know? So I I think that we've got to add some more nuance into the impact intent conversation and actually be clear about who we mean when we talk about impact. Is the impact on the trans community that's being discussed or the queer community being discussed? Or is the impact on supposedly the people being uh, transformed? So, you, you know what the... So, when I heard the song... So, this is the issue with that for me. When I heard the song, like, I was... Le- <laughs> I'm, I'm the worst. Because when I heard the song, I was legitimately moved. I thought to myself, how fucking brave. Because it spoke and, to you. And, and and as soon as I posted the song, as soon as I posted the song, I posted the song like, wow, how brave. Knowing the misogyny and the homophobia and the transphobia that runs rampant in a lot of the ears that consume that song, I'm thinking to myself, how fucking brave right and it's the moment i post a song it was like van further than the agenda van further than the agenda van further than the agenda so i got the people over here saying that i was furthering the gay and trans agenda and then i got the the trans homies that i know saying hey this song is missing the mark and so i'm thinking to myself there's a conversation here and it's got to be worth the conversation i i understand because i'm not and maybe there's more work. I'm I am legitimately was legitimately befuddled about the, the legitimately. I thought it was I did too. I like I I thought like I legitimately thought, oh my God, what a fucking step forward for hip hop. And then to know that it's not was like, damn, I gotta find out why. So I wasn't meaning to burden anybody by having a conversation, but I legitimately didn't know. And Raquel, how are we so far apart? <laughs> 
because I had the same response that that Van had. Like, how were we so off? I, I would have been shocked if people were responding in the opposite way. Right. I really thought, especially, and I guess it's that last part of the song where you even see the the music is building up as he's challenging certain things, specifically religion, yeah. that spoke to me. And it's this whole humanity over that that I was like, this is... And you know that nigga I, dropped the mic... I, he was like, fuck this. I'm going to be on the cover of Glad. I'm the fucking man. Like, how are like, we you, so like, You off? know that nigga dropped the mic after <laughs> he mean, was doing How are we so far <laughs> off, Raquel? <laughs> he he could have been. Um, <laughs> yeah, how, how are we so far apart? You know, it's so interesting because I've been thinking about this in reverse, too, because I got the people who reached out to me are cis men reached out to me. I had a cis gay friend reach out to me. I had a cis straight dude friend who we we like bond over music. Um, and they were like, how y'all were, right? Like they were like, this is revolutionary, this is game changing. <laughs> right. And I'm just like, okay. Um, but but you know, I want to be transparent. I don't want to be like consistently the bearer of bad news, right? Like I don't want to be the drag. And I feel like every time we have these conversations, you know, on one hand, I I see why a lot of cis people are like, y'all are never going to be satisfied. I, I hear that. But then on the other side, I have to deal with, oh, well, every time I open my mouth, you're expecting me to be a drag, right? And I get it. Nobody wants to be told that something that they think is a breakthrough might not be as much of a breakthrough as they think it is, right? Like, that is just real. You know, people need positive affirmation all the time. The distance piece, I think it's about understanding the stakes. You know, like, again, back to the black square that you brought up, Van, like, I'm sure there are some mic drops from some white people when they posted that they black square in June 2020. Raquel, they thought they figured it out. They were like, they we, were like, we yo, they done. were like, hey, like you could tell you walking down the street, you see them. They're like, yeah, nigga, it's us. It's right. us against them. And we going to win because of the black square. No, I, I'm with you. I completely understand. And so with that, right, Black folks know, and there were Black people who posted the Black squares too. Like, let's be clear, it, was, it yeah, wasn't yeah, that yeah, white Yeah, 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 we do dumb shit too. It's just, you know, in the hindsight, you know, it's easy for us to, to be like, they were on some shit and yeah. nobody else was. But anyway, the thing with the Black square is, okay, so what does this mean? This doesn't mean, this doesn't bring George Floyd back. Yeah. <laughs> This doesn't end police brutality, you know, this doesn't mean that you actually see Black people as human. And so I think with this song, while I know a lot of people who have felt like it was revolutionary, it's still a, a, a basic conversation from a Pulitzer Prize winning rapper and multi-Grammy award winning rapper who hasn't contended with the fact that outside of his own healing around accepting his loved ones and family members, which to, it'll be impressive. It'll be impressive to me when he meets a trans person on the street 
and doesn't look at them like they're a freaking animal. That's not the same as like you loving someone that you already love. Like it was already kind of grandfathered in. And I think what's aggravating for me in these conversations is Black trans women get murdered all the time. Ain't no Black cishet man publicly talking about this like that. None of these rappers talking about that. That's the real issue. What about the Black trans women who can't walk down the street without fear of being violated in multiple different ways, right? And so I think it can be great that people want to be excited and give fanfare to a start, but we are beyond a start. Black trans folks have been gaslit for decades. And I know I'm getting like passionate and, you know, like all of this stuff, but it's aggravating that people get to think that they've had some kind of epiphany around having a bargain basement conversation about us. Mm-hmm. If the song use the correct pronouns, did not have the F word and didn't dead name, which is a term that I, I learned after I was uh, listened to the song. I was unfamiliar with that. Are you familiar? never heard it? Dead naming is when you use. <laughs> I swear to God, like when you use the birth, on my dad. When you use never the, heard it. I hadn't either until yeah. until this song. Is it, when they said dead names, I was like, I thought that was some gang shit. I was like, what? Crossing people off the. <laughs> no, yeah. because right. when you use the name that they were born with, sure. as opposed to um, the name Amen. they want to go by, the transgender name, correct? Mm-hmm. Well, it, I said it wrong. Give me right. Give me right. The transgender Jesus Christ, you got fucking. Tucker let, Carlson over here. No, Raquel, I, please gather her. No, gather please her. take it. <laughs> I know what you mean. I, I know what you mean. But right? please, no, so, correct me if I, I, I like. I will admit I'm wrong. That's why I'm like, no, get me right. Tell me. Kitchen. Stop. Why? No, tell me the correct thing to say. No, you're good. You're good. It. I wouldn't call my name a transgender name. Okay. You calling me Raquel is not you calling me a transgender name. Like. Damn. It's just my name, right? Just now, imagine if someone called me, said Van was my nigga name. That's so nuts. <laughs> Can I ask <laughs> a serious question? Chosen name, chosen name versus chosen a birth name. name. The reason, right? I, like that could be. I, and I apologize. I really do. The reason I said this, and I don't want to take this. I really want to keep this in. The reason I said sure. that is because uh, when you say I'm a I'm a black tra- transgender woman, that is why mm-hmm. I said transgender name, and I apologize. That's why I, I put that together. So if anybody else is making that mistake, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. I got oh. you. No, I got you. I mean, yes. You know, what I worry about in see, like if nobody critiqued mm-hmm. this song, we we wouldn't be having this conversation sure. about what a dead name is. Yeah. We wouldn't be having a conversation about, you know misgendering right i'm sure people don't know what know that word right which is when you refer to someone as a gender that they aren't actually um so i you know yes a conversation is being had i guess what i i always fear is that does this mean that the people who listen to it and then know that 
queer and trans people critique that are more invested in getting it right the next time? Or are they just going to double down and be like, oh, well, screw it. Y'all are never happy either way. So I'm just going to continue to call you whatever name I want to call you and use whatever pronouns I want to use for you. Right. Like I always fear that because that's that's the feedback that we get whenever we say something. Oh, so, I didn't finish the question. I'm so sorry. Oh, it's okay. Sorry. Go ahead. Would if if because I was saying if he used the correct pronouns, if he didn't dead name, if mm-hmm. um what was if he didn't use the F word, would you feel a different way about the song? I would. Okay. Mm. I would. I and I, I say this personally, even if he wanted to have the effect of the slur and he just used it once, right? But this is, it's almost used like a chorus, y'all. And so one of right. the scenarios that people have been talking about online is like, yeah, you go to the concert and just like he had a problem with white girls saying the N-word, like you really think, as you were saying, Van, cis niggas is, is going to not say the F-word? I, for to him, and I'm not speaking for Kendrick Lamar. Uh, to him, I think he's daring. I think the part of I think the part of the, I think he's, I think, I think he is purposefully daring because put you, you you the way that you speak right. You put the N word in the song, and mm-hmm. it is uh the one of the greatest rap paradoxes that you put the you put it in your song. You know. What if somebody wants to sing that that Trinidad James? You know, nigga, nigga, nigga. How you gonna sing the song? You can't sing the song. You gotta leave the song. You white, you can't sing the song. So for Kendrick, when he did that, when he stopped that, what he was doing was he was saying, this art isn't necessarily for you. This part of the song isn't necessarily for you. So when he when he leaves the song, he says, okay, if you want to say if you want to say this. Then you also have to be comfortable with other people saying that. So to me, I think the way he left the song was a dare for people to not say it. It was a dare for people. It was encouraging them to say what just happened a minute before in this song, a minute and a half before in this song was wrong. What's wrong? I did something, it's wrong, and if you want to do this, you have to be okay with someone doing this and offending your culture. Now, to be honest with you, that doesn't make hearing the word any less jarring, mm-hmm. and I knew that that would be an issue, mm-hmm. but I but I think if I think if he was somewhere and he did hear that, he would stop people from saying it. I, I think that. But at the same time, it's kind of almost the same thing with the N-word. It would be like, why did you put it in there in the first place? All right? I want to ask you one last thing. Just so mm-hmm. we know, is is there anyone, and this is, if there's no one you can think of, but I'm really curious, is there anyone that's an ally to the trans community that you think they're someone who's doing it right? So, like, if there was anyone that, like, you would say was, like, an example for guys like myself to be an ally that does the work, that donates the money, is there anyone that you see that you would say that's somebody? Do you feel like you actually have any allies? I do. I I definitely feel like I have allies and comrades and, you know, folks who are invested. I mean, again, allyship is personal and it can be collective, right? So my experience, so like for this instance, 
I think that y'all are great allies to me. I would say it in, in some ways to the trans community, right? By having a trans voice on. I think that that's a very tangible way y'all are showing support, right? And then of course, and then have me back, right? And knowing the edges of like your range around a, a personal experience. Like, I think that is allyship. Who else? I mean, it's hard. I I. I I think that um, I I'm, I guess I got to come up with a list for allies and people gonna be asking me like who are allies. They <laughs> no, I'm to, just no, I'm just I'm, I'm just I'm just I'm I'm just wondering because like I remember I remember when Malik Yoba was doing this thing. Oh, God. <laughs> this, now, this is a whole nother conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I think it, <laughs> leave it right it there. Is. Yes, leave it there. <laughs> Leave it there. I just remember thinking, I was like, oh my God. I always get, oh God, look at Malik Yoba. And then it was like, nah, nigga. It was like, it was, it was like, it just, that it went from sugar to shit in no time flat. Now, you know what? I mean, you know, she, she a white girl, but Ariana Grande, she just raised like over a million dollars for trans youth. In, or actually trans-led organizations across the country. Mm. So, I mean, like, that is, that's allyship using her platform in that way. Yeah. You know, like, I I want us to continue to have these conversations. Like, I, I feel like it's on a downer because, you know, people were inspired by this. And I just hope people continue to be inspired, right? Like, whatever you felt in that moment listening to this, try and find more ways to feel that way about how you support queer and trans people, yeah. right? It doesn't have to stop at the song. You know, if Kendrick is really about it. Like, I'm sure he wants you to continue to figure out, well, what is your own relationship to gender, to all of these different things, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think this was a downer. I, every single time you, I love having you on. Every time you come on, I, clearly I learned something. Yeah, you did. No, shut up, shut up. <laughs> no, but thank you so much for being here, thank always so and being patient and taking our questions. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I just, I hope you don't feel like we're being a burden on you. I think that this no. is we've been saying for a long time. We wanted to have these conversations on our podcast. So somebody fuck up, we gonna call you again. Yeah. Well, but, or just not, or just just to, just to have a conversation, just to have yeah, a conversation. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Thank yeah. You. Oh, you know what? Before before we go, I think you've done this before. Do you well, want? To okay, wait. I feel like we didn't talk about the album in general, but oh, go for I feel it. Like it's it's hard for me to look at Auntie Diaries and then not look at his overuse of like Kodak Black, right, in the albums and. And all of that. So there's a whole other narrative about him trying to make a statement about cancel culture and redemption. Yeah. Yeah. That is also in conversation with the Auntie Diaries thing. Mm -hmm. That's a little weird. So I just want to throw that out there because I know we don't have time for that. But Mm -hmm. But you're right. Can you give people a book that we should all read if we want to be more knowledgeable about these things? There's something. A book, a book. Um, I'll read it. Oh, a lot of them are like academic books, but um, 
I always got look in a year's time. My book will be out. Oh, so there it is. That's, that's the one. There it is. But but no, Janet Mock is one of my good friends. So you know, I think her memoirs were very assess- accessible. So like redefining realness was her first one. Surpassing certainty was her second one. Um, there's some more like ones that are about cultural analysis. So I don't know if folks get that nerdy on it, but. Trapdoor is a really good one. It's like a, I think I talked about it last time. See it right there, here. yeah. Yeah, it's like Trapdoor, right there, right there. Oh, um, mm-hmm. But it, it's accessible too, and it's written by a couple of different uh, trans and non-binary folks. Black on Both Sides is by a Black trans masculine person. Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's, it's some stuff out there, but I think also following trans folks too, like, and and following even when you don't agree, right? Because right. mm-hmm. there's probably a reason you don't agree, and it may mean that there's something to learn from us. Right. So, mm. yeah. Raquel Willis, thank you so much for uh, for coming on the podcast, Always. dealing with the the onslaught that racial divided. <laughs> thank you, thank you so much. Uh, we really appreciate it. And the only thing we can hope is that people are willing and will try to do better. And we hope that they will. So thank you so much. Thank for, you. We, we will. We'll, yes. Thank you. Appreciate you for joining us on Higher Learning today. Thank you. Lori Harvey. I just said I went to Pilates because Lori Harvey said it helped her get in shape. Actually, I tried. Excuse me. I was not allowed to come into the class. Mm. She's got a very nice body. She's in good shape. She's really tiny. Is she? 15, 15 pounds is a lot. Like, that's what she lost. I'm, I'm assuming God that's damn, what she 15 lost. 15 pounds is a lot. I got so much weight to lose. 15 pounds ain't she's shit to me. T- she's, you have to realize it's based on her height, right. her size. And she might have lost more than 50 pounds. All she said is that, for those of you who don't know, people have been asking her how she dropped. They've been looking at her Matt Gallo, um, her outfit, her whole body, everything. It showcased her abs. People are inquiring, how did you lose the weight? How did you get the body that you have? So she gets on TikTok and she explains to people how she achieved the current body that she has. She says that she put on 15 pounds with Michael B. Jordan. She did not say how many pounds she dropped. I think she dropped. She's smaller than I've ever seen her before. So I think she actually dropped more than 15 pounds. Let, let's let her talk for herself. This is what Lori Harvey had to say. Okay, so I just left my Pilates class and I see uh, the girls are signing up for Pilates now. Love that for you guys. Um, But everybody's been asking like what it is I specifically did to get my body to this point. So when Mike and I got together, I gained like 15 pounds of relationship weight and it was horrible. None of my clothes fit. It was just not okay. So I've been consistently doing Pilates for like the last year i've done it for a few years but i've been really consistent last year and when i was trying to drop weight i was working out like five six times a week and i would even do like for the first month and a half i think i did two a days so what i would do was i was in a calorie deficit i think i maybe was consuming like 1200 calories in a day max and i wasn't on like a specific eating regimen i just was trying to do like meat and veggies and like minimal carbs and then I had this sprint interval circuit that I would do so I would do Pilates in the morning and then I would leave there and I would sometimes directly go to the gym and hop on the treadmill for 30 minutes and it's a specific sprint interval workout I did so if you guys want that I'll give it to you later 
so then I would do that or I also like to do like a hike or I would go run the stairs just some type of cardio that's how you drop do you have any problem with anything that she said no why are you laughing I don't do you realize that there was backlash? Yeah. People lashed back. People, people, listen, they, they got on to her for saying put yogurt on her face to like help with dark spots. This, this to me is not the same situation as what Kim Kardashian did to lose 16 pounds to fit into her Met Gala dress. What did Kim Kardashian do? She um, got in a, a sauna suit. A Kim sweat Kardashian is famous. She got in a sweat sauna suit, uh, whatever you call it, and she ate tomatoes or something like that. Lectins, a lot of lectins and tomatoes. Okay, so she starved herself to fit into the dress. Mm -hmm. What Lori Harvey describes is a process. And I think that people have to use everything in context, right? She talks about that she ate max 1,200 calories a day. That's obviously based on her height her whatever weight she was i'm sure she's she's obviously rich guys she's got a nutritionist she's got a chef probably she has a trainer she's got somebody advising her how to do it and she says that she started, was doing pilates over the last year yeah. this isn't some crash course thing that she did in two weeks like kim kardashian did it's not the same thing people ask she told them and now they want to hold it against her i don't see it as that big of a deal i love how Kim Kardashian just caught strays in this conversation for absolutely zero reason. Like Kim, she caught strays from a lot of people for that for what she for what she I talked know, but about. But like, what what's the what? But why why are you why are we talking about Kim? This is about what Lori Harvey said. Because this comes off the hills of Kim Kardashian talk, bra- basically bragging about the sixteen pounds that she lost, she which lost people are attributing as they're calling this toxic beauty. And Lori Harvey then talks about her Met Gala body and why she looks that way. And so it comes off the hills of that conversation. That's why I'm talking about it. So you're saying that Kim Kardashian was toxic beauty. Lori Harvey is not toxic beauty. That was toxic beauty. Lori Harvey was toxic beauty? No, what Kim Kim did, that is. Lori Harvey is promoting. No. Why? I just explained all of why. But I don't see the difference, though. So you don't see the difference in a year-long process versus... Doing it in less than two weeks. I see, I see that one person was more efficient. They got there faster, my nigga. I'm not even. And the reality, I'm not, gonna the reality is, I'm not doing this. You're not have, serious. I'm not going to do I this. I am serious. So you agree with people starving themselves for ten days to achieve? Do you know what? You know what? I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't give a fuck. See, like, it's so, toxic. So, so, it's so, toxic. So here's the, here's the thing. But I don't see the difference though. So the, my, my thing is, I don't. I don't see. So people are mad about Lori Harvey. Uh, like a lot of people, people's bodies are different. People's bodies are different, you're right? And I know a lot of people who have who have attempted to do different things and attempted to try different things in order mm-hmm. to fit things. Mm-hmm. Wedding dresses. I know mm-hmm. some of my homies that want to fit in their tux. I understand that. And these are adults you're talking about, these right? Are adults, right? Yeah. Um, I understand that people had a problem with what Lori Harvey said because uh, it seems as if she's telling women to eat 1,200 calories a day. I didn't see it that way. I saw as she was saying that she ate 1,200 calories a day because that's something that she wanted to do. By the way, what this really is about more than anything is why on earth would you hold yourself to the status of somebody who ain't got no job? Remember now, you got to wake up, you got to take your ass downtown, you got to go downtown, you got to sit in your cubicle, you got to work, you got to come home, 
your goals, this is what Fat, Crazy, and Tired is about. And this is something that I'm learning. Your goals have to be for you. Right. If your goal is to look like Lori Harvey, first of all, there might be a genetic component. Second of all, Lori Harvey works out all day. Jennifer Lopez, oh my gosh, she looks so great. She's fucking 75 years old. Guess what? <laughs> she works out all day long. You're right. When you're playing with your kids and doing all of this stuff, Jennifer Lopez is running up a fucking hill somewhere because that's her business. Right. Lori Harvey is in the beauty business. So whatever it has, to, whatever has to happen for Lori Harvey to be what she considers to be beautiful, she is going to do. That is her business. Have no problem with what she said. Understand why some people might want to explore the beauty standard that she is setting. But that's not really for me to talk about. Mm-hmm. It's for the ladies to discuss amongst themselves. And and sort of legislate what is what is acceptable. I don't see a difference in the Kim Kardashian thing. I, I see a difference because of the way they in the way they talked about it personally. But to your response of eat to each their own, and you talk about what what you realize in your forties. I'm talking about what I realize in my thirties. The problem is that you've got all these young people who are not adults, which is why I asked you the question: Are you talking about adults? Right. You have kids who aren't, who haven't had those same experiences, who don't think the same way, who aren't developed in the same way, who are watching what Kim did, who are watching what Lori did, who are striving that, who don't understand that what they're what they're doing and what they have in place to achieve that, whether it's la- not working, whether it's a chef, a nutritionist, to make sure they're doing it in a healthier way they don't see it that way the same way that they don't get filters and that people are doing all these type of beauty things to make themselves look a certain way they just want to look like that and they could take these drastic measures to achieve it it's toxic beauty shout out to gabrielle union and zaya wade who are doing this whole campaign where they are talking about toxic influence and toxic beauty and how impressionable these young people are who truly truly take do unhealthy things and do it in an extreme way to try uh, try to achieve what Kim Kardashian or even a Lori Harvey are doing. To me, the way Lori Harvey explained it was in a much better way than what Kim Kardashian did, but that's just how I read it. But I feel you. It, I'm it, sick of it, the word toxic though. I'm not gonna lie. Man. Well that's fine. But the, but the reality is that there are a lot of young is just people. Stupid. But you're talking to as as a person who's nah, in bullshit. their forties. No. Like, like we, These never kids forget. are so never impressionable. I never forget. We was at basketball practice. I'm not gonna say the guy's name. Adults it, again. It, no. Basketball practice when I was in high school. We we're in basketball practice. And it was this guy, I'm not gonna say his name. He was on the wrestling team. And he had to make weight. So he's in a sauna suit. He made them, he asked them to turn the air conditioner off in the gym. And he was in a sauna suit running around the gym for hours while we practicing to try to drop weight so that he could wrestle. And I remember looking at him and being like, this nigga's dumb. This is a dumb nigga. And we looked and we watched and very soon after practice was over, he was still running. He looked at someone and he passed out. And you know what we did? Nothing. You kept playing basketball. The reason why we did we did nothing because we looked at him and we were like, you know what? You're dumbass because you didn't want to take care of yourself. It was obviously stupid. But you, you know don't... what? If this nigga wanted to run around the gym for an hour and a half in a sauna suit to try to make weight for some shit, that's on him. 
It's you not toxic, n- it's dumb. You have no idea what people are, are going, individually, what people may be going through to, you're right. You look at all the outside. No, I said, that's why I said, that's why I said, that's why I said individually. I myself every day, you fat blob. I said individually, I but at that age and that pressure, and you have no idea what insecurities that person was going through. They were taking extreme, obviously it's dumb. What does that have to do with Lori Harvey though? That people will take, I don't think what Lori Harvey, the way she explained it, she went, she almost talked for two minutes but explaining it. What does that have to do with Kim Kardashian either, though? She wanted to eat tomatoes to fit into the To team. fit in the dress. It's the way that she talked about it. It's like she was bragging about what she did. And so many people look at Kim and think that, and want to look at her. They go into these plastic surgeons, do filters, do certain things to look like Kim Kardashian, which she obviously has a lot of help and assistance and done things to look the way that she does that people don't have access to. It would be a lot better if she explained things in a healthy way. I have been on a 12... I I went to a retreat right before the start of this year, and it was amazing. And they put you on a meal plan based on your size. And mine was 1,200 calories a day. And we would work out and you saw a nutritionist and you did all these things that that these measures were in place that it was in a safe way. And you could increase your calories if you wanted to, but based on my size, I was 1,200. It was totally doable in that environment. I never felt sick. I never felt unhealthy. I was being monitored, but I couldn't keep that going in the real world because of all the other distractions that I have. But I did it in a in a certain environment. I can't go home and do that myself. Question: mm-hmm. Would it be considered toxic beauty to laminate a part of your body? It's not unhealthy. Some would say you're laminating things. I was. Well, it's not unhealthy. You laminated your eyebrows. Yeah. Laminate. I did. The definition. So of it's laminate. a. It's a. Perm. I'll tell you exactly what it is. They perm your eyebrows. It's different. Perm is perm. Laminate. No, no. The laminating is a perm. Laminate. They got laminate flooring. Okay. Laminate. You, laminate whatever. They got laminate. <laughs> they got, Not the they same got, thing. It is. You got laminate. Look got, up laminating brows. Laminate definition. Let me see real quick. Overlay with a layer of plastic or some other protective material. And they do that. They put the perm on and then they put the saran wrap over your brows. Nuts. Toxic beauty. <laughs> this toxic beauty. I'm sorry. Maybe you don't like the word toxic, but it's problematic. I just think I just think that I just think that we're they're, they're sort of words. And you just followed up toxic with another overused word. Problematic. You have these words these, that are trigger words these, for you that you just, hate people use. So I so nuts to but me. But it's toxic. real. Uh, problematic. It's so real with these narrative. kids. Niggas with are these overusing young, narrative. Like fine, they might be, but you can't deny. Hate the word. Use your own words. Same definition. You can't deny that there is a whole. There are a whole group of girls, that young girls, that try to emulate what they see people do because they're so desperate to look a certain way. So so call it whatever you want. But what I'm telling you is whatever is good for the goose. Because if 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 Kim K is wrong. Then Lori Harvey's wrong. You can see it that way. Yeah. I don't. Well, okay, a racial choice. Would you like to talk about um, Alfonso Ribeiro refusing no, to I don't do want to talk about that. dance? <laughs> 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 or Candace Owens making a fool of Patrice Cullis? <laughs> Candace Owens. Okay. You guys, Candace Owens picked up a victory. <laughs> <laughs> 
There's no denying it. And that's, and that's, the, <laughs> and that's the only way to put it. Kansas Owens, Candace Owens went on the road uh, in hostile territory and picked up a big dub. She's basically the Dallas Mavericks. Like Candace Owens won, and she won by a lot. Um, Patrice Cullors went on social media and talked about an exchange that she had had with Candace Owens, or I guess it wasn't a change, an incident where Candace Owens showed up to her house, one of the homes that they say she owns, and tried to demand to interview Patrice Cullors. You know what? Let's play the audio of Patrice Cullors. Donnie, do we have that? This is Patrice Cullors or what she said happened. This morning, I woke up to Candace Owens being outside of my house with a news crew. Um, she was demanding that I come outside. Hello. Um, I was just looking to speak to whoever is at this property because it's listed as the Black Lives Matter property. Sir? Hello? The fact that she's came outside my house and demanded things harassed me uh, is unacceptable. We're not trying to harass you. We'll gladly leave. We're just wondering if we can speak to anybody. Y'all, I really need my family to be safe. I need to be safe. I need my child to be safe. And this, this, what happened this morning is not safety. Thank you, sir. Have a great day. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I don't want to hear from Patrice Colors for the rest of the year. Patrice got to stop lying. Man. I don't want to hear her for the rest of the Like, it's done at this point. Patrice got to stop lying. It's done. Question, when, when she says this is listed as the Black Lives Matter property, is this a $6 million house? I don't know. Did she man. admit to living in the $6 million house? I don't know. Because surely one of her other homes is not listed as the Black Lives Matter property. I Or she was just lying about even being at that location. At this point... I don't want to hear from her. I don't want to hear from her. Y'all want to hear from her? Do we want to hear from Patrice anymore? Fuck! <laughs> Has she responded to the, this? It's the it's laughable. The fact that she let Candace Owens make a so, fool of her. So let's the, so let's the, okay. So here's the here's the problem that I'm having. I would talk about the fact that Candace Owens showed up to Patrice Cullors' house. Only I can't. Because I was in favor of people showing up to the Supreme Court justices' homes. So I'm in a logical figure four leg lock there. I can't... But can't, people do that. News pe crews do that. News crews do that. So I can't get mad. The fact of the matter is Patrice Cullors painted an interaction that never happened. And I wish that wasn't true. But it is. Fucking Candace Owens one-upped Patrice Cullors and this is starting to become an issue. This has nothing to do with anyone else that is in Black Lives Matter or that has been in Black Lives Matter. It is starting to become starting. concerning about 
how Patrice Colors is, how forthright she is, and how much we can trust her. I am not saying that she maybe wasn't scared that Candace Owens come, Stop. came out. I'm saying she had no reason to be, and the picture that she painted of that interaction is not fucking true. You need to let it go. I'm, I don't want to let it go, You man. have to let it go. Why you cannot... You, kinda, you, you know what? No, no, no. Don't you know what? She did this to herself. No. Don't you know what, me? You plus the... You got to make sure... You plus the Ray J thing, you off code to No, 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 Because no. a lot of people agree with me on the Ray J thing, on your comments. A lot of people are out. Why you keep, my my comments are the most, my comments are the most putrid place that These you These weren't putrid. Because a lot of people said BB and CC, and I was like, oh, I was like, BB that's, and a, good, not on the that's level. a good point. BB you, and CC and you not on the trashed, level. You trashed BB and CC. Let's will, be clear. You called them hey, out, hey, and you accused you. them of being Trump supporters. I don't you, give a fuck about BB and Tr- CC like that. Wow, I love CC. That's, y'all, like, look, I don't give a fuck y'all, about BB and CC. He wants hey, to get on the meme. He's over here praising a Ray J and hating on BB and CC. Ray J has meant more to me in my life than BB Winans has. I'm sorry. What, what, the uh, NCC? And CC. Shout out to BB and CC Winans. Wow. Shout out to the whole Winans. Really shout out to Mario Winans. I love the whole Winans. Um, shout really. out to all the Winans. No, but you expect me to put them over Brandy and Ray J? No, no, no. Stop putting Brandy. Take Brandy out. Let's go back, we to, agree Cand- on let's Brandy. Go back to Candace Owens. But listen, back to, no, let's go back to Patrice. Right. Patrice, did, the fact that you're saying starting to, the fact that you're questioning, can we trust her? We can't. And it's not a starting. There have been a number of things at this point where it's like, you can't believe anything that Patrice says at this point, which is why I said I don't want to hear from her. But the more problematic thing is, we joke about this being a victory for Candace Owens, but the problem is, it is a victory, and it plays right into her whole theory about Black Lives Matter not being a real thing, being a joke, being them being a fraud. This is what she says. Not just her theory, your theory too. Stop. It plays right into that theory of hers, and she that's what, will. That's what ev- you and everybody on the Reddit she was saying. Will, she will take this and use this moment and all the things that Patrice that have come out about Patrice in regards to her relation with Black Lives Matter, and will further her agenda about this whole movement being a fraud. That's the real issue, and that's what is not funny because of what Patrice. Because None of, of it Patrice, is funny because of Patrice's lies. It's no, no. The side by side video was side funny. The side by side video was funny. You're, you're, you're absolutely right. And that's the that's the bigger issue. And, and something else should be noted: these people that we're talking about, they aren't safe. Like yeah. Alicia Garza's name was mentioned yeah. in the guy's manifesto. These people, they aren't safe. Yeah, they have security. They aren't safe. It's true. So we have to take great care of when someone comes out. And says something like that. We have to take great care of our people. We have to take take great care of the people that are working on our behalf. Patrice Colors cried has wolf. Got to do better. She cried wolf. She has. I have not done one iota of the work that Patrice Colors has done. This is me in no way, in no way casting any aspersions on what she has done and what she has tried to do. But she's on shaky ground right now. Yeah, we're talking about this stuff. Well, yeah. She's on shaky ground right now. And we can't afford for her to be. We can't we afford need, That's it. We can't afford for her to be. This was all fucked up. Candace Owens won this exchange. When was the last time Candace Owens won something in the culture? She won. She clearly won. 
She clearly won. I don't have a very serious question today. This last, this last fucking topic has cheesed me to the point of no return. I watched that video. I almost broke my MacBook. I'm like, why? Fuck. Oh, this topic. I was like, <laughs> it's like what? Like, it's like people like Van always. Uh, Van is always making excuses for Black Lives Matter. Is I think I think this is actually about me. God is trying to show me something. And what do you think that may be? I don't know. God is trying to show me maybe not to give. God is trying to show me that maybe I ride too hard for, for shit. Because I've been riding. For, I've been riding. Maybe I ride too hard for people. I could clearly. Ray J. Okay, let's go back and look one more time before we go. Cause go look at what? Just everything that Ray J has accomplished. <laughs> Close us out. Take I, us, just, just Donnie, take us home. Just real quick. With addicted love. Right, just, 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 <laughs> just, just real quick. Seriously? I do, I'm not, I don't. <sighs> look how big Ray J, look how big Ray J's Wikipedia is. Ray J got a huge, he got like his Wikipedia is like love and hip hop, VH1 family reunion, the conversation, he's been on Insecure, Celebrity Big Brother, Leave It to Stevie, Notorious, he played himself, Love and Hip Hop Hollywood, Jonah Melissa Know Best, The Ricky Smiley Show, Ridiculousness, the Monique Show, Brandy and Ray J and Family Business. You forgot about that one. That I one love, was I'm going to make it clear. I love Randy. A lot of people have long Wiki, Wikipedia pages. I'm sure Stevie J probably has some of the Sharknado same. 3, Save the Last Dance 2, Steel, Christmas at Water's Edge, Once Upon a Time. Were these straight we were to video colored? movies? These were straight to video. Dear Santa, <laughs> I need a date. The app that stole Christmas. He got the Scooty Bikes. I'm seriously. All were the Scooty Bikes successful? Because he said fucking every- right, the Scooty Bikes were successful. By the way, I'm not bullshitting you. Ray J really is to be commended. He really I'm is. not saying that that he hasn't done good things or big things or successful things. It's what just... year did Ray J sign to Electric Re- Electro Records? Probably 95. Okay, Let It Go peaked at number tw- twenty five on the charts. The Doctor Doolittle soundtrack. Wait, we gotta go. We gotta go. We gotta, like, we, we gotta we, go. We, we, I can't we, handle it. We gotta go. We gotta go. Shout out Ray J, man. Take thing caps off, but do not stop learning. I am Van Lathan Jr. I'm Rachel Lynn Lindsay. We are live in Very person, true. higher mm-hmm. learning, and new announcement. We got mm-hmm. a higher learning YouTube channel now. YouTube channel. It's just go to YouTube and search higher learning. That's it. I mean, you, it'll be right there. And if you can't do that, then actually the movie popped up. So oh, for real? Fuck. What Never mind. We need it's to a movie do? too. Uh, <laughs> What? Tell him, Daddy. Say higher learning van with the Van Lathan and Rachel Donnie, Lindsay. Tell him how they can get there. Seriously, YouTube.com/slash higher learning. There you go. Simple. Tap in with us, guys. All right, peace.